rendition of combos on the corner first off i'm bruce and i'm joined as always by nolan nolan how's it going man oh it's great We've got ari fink the legend with us today huge duke fan by the way yeah. he's just <laughs> huge huge duke fan let me tell yeah. you yeah <laughs> oh yeah oh, but yeah let's funny. let's get into it ari Bruce. Great. I'm I'm so happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. And thank you for all you do for the, the DMB community. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm, <laughs> you don't have to thank us. That's for sure. Um, for, for those of you who don't know, Ari is obviously the, uh, the the man on big man on campus, Sirius XM, director of programming and host of DMB and Fish Radio, two of our personal favorite stations there on uh, Sirius XM. He's also known as DJ AF, where I believe Nolan saw a set after MSG Night 2 um, last year. Nolan, why don't you um, preclude that just a little bit, give a little bit of that, um, what happened that night, and then Ari will let you talk about your DJing a little bit before we, we really dive into Ari Fink the Man. Yeah, well, <clears throat> outside of MSG Night 2, we had a killer after party that we attended, got to meet Ari and Corey Wong, um, which was wild to see. I was like, oh, he was just on stage shredding with DMV. That's cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Ari, you DJed a set and then uh, Louis Cato and friends played and they were like, they Oof. were so good, man. That oh was such a great god. after party. Oh my god! Thank you so much for coming, Nolan. I, I was happy yeah, to man. see you and to meet you and be in the presence of all of those, you know, immense talents. Like you know, Lewis is, is just an absolute ace among aces, and the bands that he puts together are second to none. John Lampley is incredible on trumpet. Every single musician that plays with Lewis Cato is truly that guy or that girl and yeah it was nice of Corey to show up right he came down yeah. with his suitcase down the stairs into the club like at doors I'm like god <laughs> let me get that for you it was funny he's the best yeah he we're gonna like have it. him on soon um so any, anything we should know about Corey that we should ask him when he when he comes on the pod I mean, there's so much to know about Corey Wong. You got to dig into his right hand and the percussive nature of his guitar playing, what he does in the studio, his approach to music and arrangement and life, how he always manages to have so much fun wherever he goes. I mean, that and, and also his you know former career as a lifeguard. <laughs> All right, we'll, <laughs> we'll definitely get into that um speaking of someone who has fun everywhere he goes it seems like you do as well Ari um and I don't know how long that has been the case but how how did you get your start like in music so were you always just like I'm gonna have fun every single thing that I do I got into music because of this that and the other walk us through kind of how you got uh, your meteoric rise really all the way up to to Sirius XM uh radio host well, I mean, those are very, very nice and effusive words, um, and I appreciate that very much. Um, you know, I love music. Music is 
the fun for me and always has been. I started playing bass at, at the age of 13 and found a really great teacher in the Washington, D.C. area in Maryland where I grew up and really dove in um, pretty deep for the entirety of middle school and high school. My bass teacher really, you know, had all of the best qualities in that, you know, he balanced sort of the fun, improvisational, freeing approach to learning an instrument along with a lot of the the technical stuff and the technique. And we got pretty deep on, you know, No Doubt Records and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Pink Floyd and on and on and on. And, you know, when I got to, you know, later on in middle school, basically like 14, 15 from Pink Floyd and Zeppelin came the dead and then came Dave and Fish. And so, you know, it, by the time I graduated from high school, I was convinced that all I was going to do for the rest of my life was play music, was play bass specifically. Um, and went to college, played bass in bands and did not spend as much time on my studies as I probably could have, but ended up having quite a, a good amount of fun through the process um, I did study sociology and science and technology, specifically the intersection of it um, in in college at University of Maryland, which would certainly play a role in what would happen afterwards, because I moved to New York and made a record with my band at the time. And then, you know, that sort of ran its course. And around that time, as I was working in studios and with other bands and here and there, I was approached by a friend who had started working at Sirius Satellite Radio, an emerging technology and music company that uh, you know happened to be launching a one of the first ever artist-branded channels with the Grateful Dead. And he suggested I apply for that role, and basically now here we are. Wow. So That's amazing. All right. I didn't know you were, uh, you were a musician at heart first and that's how it got uh got everything going um a little bit of like credibility when you know like no you know music no like no that. credibility i'm fine at the base i mean i i'm not well i'm actually terrible at this moment in time because i haven't really been shedding or playing um at any consistent clip in over a decade but i used to Same. i used to be able to hang a little bit um and you know uh, i also, around the time that I stopped playing bass, I started DJing in New York City and had a couple of you know weekly residencies that were nothing to write home about. At the same time that I started working at SiriusXM, and you know as things got busier and busier at SiriusXM, and life did what life does, um, the DJ thing kind of got put down. But now we're picking it back up, and it's super exciting. Love it, love it. Um, so, 2007. Grateful Dead channel starts at SiriusXM. What was it like in those um, kind of early days and launching a channel like that? Oh, my God. The early days were wild. I mean, I was wide-eyed at, you know, 20-some years old and heading into, you know, our fancy offices near Rockefeller Center where Howard had just signed and came on and was broadcasting through one wall, literally, and to, you know, to know that Howard Stern, the media Moshiach, was there um, really encouraged me and, I, and was super exciting. It was a lot different than it is now. Obviously, you know, there's been a ton of growth um, for our organization and what our offerings 
provide. Um, but it, it was wild, man. The early days were were exciting. It really was the intersection of technology and music. And, you know, we sit at a fascinating place in the music ecosystem and the media ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I think Nolan and I have been listening to this kind of stuff on, on Sirius for over a decade, for sure, at this point. Oh, yeah. um, Thank you. And a lot Thank of these, <laughs> I mean, just by coincidence, um, no, we're actually huge Ari fans. Um, Ari has been a part of a lot of these channels. I mean, you had the Grateful Dead one, and then you went on and, um, you know, you had Jam On and Pearl Jam, and then obviously Fish and DMB. What were the differences when you moved on and maybe not moved on, but you know, when jam on started and then the Pearl jam channel, how did that kind of work out, um, within Sirius XM and then for you, uh, professionally and personally growing through into, you know, kind of new avenues. Well, I, I mean the, the jam on days are, are some fond, fond days and we, there was a lot of growth, um, for our platform and, and for the genre, for bands that, you know, we were able to really lean in with and provide, you know, an outlet that was unique in what it could offer. And it was just, it was wild, though. I mean, we've obviously evolved our business and our approach so much since then. Um, but at the at the end of the day, really, at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, you know, exposing uh, new music and and discovering new artists and sharing them with an audience and helping their growth is just about the greatest thing ever. I mean, you can't even describe, I could not describe um, how meaningful that is and to watch and experience the, the artists that, you know, are sweating through club gigs, graduate to main stage at Bonnaroo and rip a show in front of 40,000, 80,000, whatever the case may be, all those people, it's just, it, you know, it's the best. So that <clears throat> takes us to like 2010 when Fish and the DMB channel started. The DMB channel, that was um, that was more of a limited run, and then it went away and then came back permanently, I want to say like 20. 18? Well, okay. So let's let's slow down here. Let's get let's uh let's map our timeline. And let's I don't mean it. to jump in, Nolan, but you know, I've been there for a long time. So yeah. um yes, Dave Matthews Band Radio did pop up on Sirius XM in twenty twelve for a limited run. Um the Fish and Dave Matthews band channels that I um helmed and you know helped build with our team um were um launched in 2018 so the 2010 to 2018 was really that um time period where i was working heavily on jam on and also on pearl jam radio which was a, a wild experience and uh very very informative and you know pearl jam is one of those bands that grabbed me right away i mean i bought 10 you know i bought the cd at the age of 12 it was probably oh, yeah. the very first CD I ever bought in my entire life with my own money until I signed up for Columbia House with my parents' credit card and just kept it rolling with deliveries over and over and over again without them knowing. Like Pearl Jam <laughs> was it was that record for me. Um, and so, it, you know, it was such a cool time um, that, you know, really brought a lot of growth and perspective and knowledge um, and experience, of course. Yeah, that's 
That's pretty cool. I didn't realize that about you and Pearl Jam. Um, and you know, that kind of leads into a lot of, a lot of musical diversity for you, obviously, as far as, um, who you like to listen to. I mean, you're, you're a DJ yourself, been a musician, fish radio, DMB radio, Pearl Jam, all that is a little bit the same, but very different. And that gets me kind of into the content of the current channels that you're director of programming for. So fish and DMB, what really goes into programming a Sirius XM channel itself when you've got, you know, you're handling studio live, um, making sure you're not playing too many of the same songs, diving into other bands, other hosts, kind of walk us through that. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of follow-up questions. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, from, from sort of a wide angle view, there is a very, very large amount of thought and care and craft that goes in to any station and any audio experience, starting with what the channel is, its position, and and what the ecosystem of content is going to sound like and look like, the style, the substance, all those things on so many different levels. So what you're talking about as far as like, you know, building a database, um, a music database, and then designing the architecture of what that audio will play out for an audience to is a really, really cool and fascinating um, technology-driven process that involves, you know, essentially categorizing groups of audio, placing rules and metadata around them, a lot of which is bespoke, like custom metadata, that, and then organizing a playout structure and an architecture based on those rules with additional parameters, borders, and boundaries established for that framework. And then the software helps you out, and then you help out the software from that point on in a general, you know, in general terms. From the specific sort of micro level, you know, working with hosts and and designing specialty shows or, or you know, features, however you want to look at them, um, that's really... Um, also a very fun and creative process and, re you know, requires a whole additional skill set and a whole bunch of other aspects of talent relations and, you know, crafting sonic palettes and discussing vibe and trying to, to really find a, a happy medium between what people expect and what they might not yet know but could like. I mean, just sounds like an absolute dream job. Um, what, what is available to you like from the DMB catalog? And sure. I, cause I know you take like a lot of care into, um, and you're proud of your numbers with, uh, <laughs> with repeats and, and right. The so let's, let's, and all that. let's get into the repetition. What Bruce and Nolan yeah. are trying to ask me about <laughs> is why do you hear, you know, songs over and over again on Sirius XM channels? And that right there is one of the most common questions that everyone asks to any, you know, any listener, to anyone that, that is involved on our side in varying degrees. And I'd love to chime in on that. Now, the goal here is to provide the stuff you already love along with some stuff you might love next. Okay, and there's an element of discovery there and a balance. Everything is about balance. And so what we try to do is really focus on both ends of that scale and do as much as we can to sort of 
you know, keep it as even as possible while we really curate through the massive archives in these two bands' cases to ensure that we're, we're, we're focusing on the right, you know, 25%, 20% of material that showcases and features that band in its best possible light with its best shoes on, in the best audio quality, circumstantially, um, and, and forever in a day. So, you know, we work closely with these bands to create, you know, ecosystems and communities um, and an extension of their brands and their sound so, you know, it, there's a lot that goes into it. Now, for a, a consumer who's flipping around the Sirius XM dial and they're like, you know, I, I feel like listening to, to some Dave. And they hit the Dave button on our dial. And like, I'm playing, you know, if I'm playing, Bruce, what's your favorite rarity? Oh, rarity. Uh, rarity, rarity. Like, you know, the last stop. Um, uh, okay, rarer. Let's go rarer than the more last More rare. Um, spoon. Okay, he likes great rarities. Nolan, what's your favorite rarity? Well, I was gonna say spoon, but I'll go JTR. Okay, they both like great rarities. In any case, spoon and JTR and the last stop are songs that many Dave fans aren't gonna like want to be hearing right away. If you percentageized the the entire you know Dave Matthews Band fan base plus Everyone else who, who wants to listen to some Dave every now and again, that might not be the song that they want. And so that's why the songs like Tripping Billies and Gray Street and 41 and Ants and on and on are weighted a little bit, you know, heavier than rarities. Okay. And so we want to provide a, a little bit on both ends of that scale at all, you know, through any. 20, 30, 40 minute window. And I will say that, you know, I, I do hear and understand the, the sort of repetition or the, the perceived repetition of some of my, my programming in particular, just speaking about myself. And what I try to do is use our software and our rules and our database architecture to protect against, you know, the perception of an actual repeats. I mean, I've got you know, you can imagine how many versions of Jimmy thing I've got in there in active rotation. I'll tell you, it's 28 versions. Okay. And so what I do is in the spots where I'm playing Jimmy thing, first of all, I want to make sure that you don't hear that song on that particular day in that moment. If you're going to work every day and it's Tuesday and then Thursday, do you want to hear Jimmy thing? No. So I try to separate that out. And I also try to feed, you know, different strong versions through our scheduling so that at least you'll catch another version if you happen to be listening later in the day on Thursday and Jimmy Thing's playing, you know? Plus, if I wasn't playing Jimmy Thing and Ants, you know, and Gray Street and, and those types of songs, people would notice. I would hear about yes. that too. Trust me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a good point. Um, it reminded me of a question um, that we thought about and... Um, since you brought it up, kind of the difference or the how DMB fans overarching look at the channel or their music in general. What's the difference when you see a DMB fan that listens to DMB radio and you have to take, you know, you have to take mental note or professional note of that as compared to like a jam band, a jam band fan, jam on or a fish radio station, for example. Um, what's the difference there when you're curating those 
um, you know, it's and I'm not knocking any DMB fans or fans of that nature, but you know, sometimes jam band fans seem to be less like, Oh, I don't need to hear the hits. Like give me that deep cut or that awesome jam. That's just rare or something I've never even heard of before by another artist, you know, just something like that. What's the difference that you've noticed there in maybe fan bases? Well, it's an interesting question and you can't make too many generalizations about fan bases as a whole because everything is segmented, right? You've got, factions and types of listeners and fans and you've got the guy who shows up in the poster line you know at 555 whatever the time whatever it opens they got the guy in the poster line and then you've got you know the person who is seeing their first concert of the year and is super excited and loves it but isn't necessarily like tapped into the fabric of the moment of said artist in general and so it's hard to generalize but I will say that the the desire for musical discovery is really what has always drawn me to the improvisational um, sort of genre and those kinds of bands and that cul-de-sac, particularly here on Sirius XM, our little pocket of channels. I love the passion. I love the involvement and the engagement. And, you know, I think it's it's a really, really great example of why these types of bands have these channels and are at the level that they are. Um, But like, we really have to balance all these types of fans in one shot, you know, over, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That's tough, man. Nolan, you said dream job. I don't know anymore. (laughs) That sounds tough. Yeah, it's my goal to convince you by the time I'm done. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It is. It is. (laughs) It's the best. There's nothing like it. Absolutely nothing like it. And um, it's a really great challenge to, you know, provide as much as I can for every type of fan that I can really program towards. It really seems like you and Dave have a similar challenge when he's coming up with set lists for a show, you know, he he wants he knows there are fans that want to hear Ants Marching and Satellite, whereas some of the some of the vets just want to hear the deep cut. So finding a balance there, I'm sure, is has got to be a, a big challenge. Um, DMB Friday Night Concert Series that has been a mainstay on the DMB channel um, for the last several years. I think it's one of the coolest things you guys have done um with the channel how how did that idea come to fruition and you know how how was adding that element like a a new level of excitement for you especially getting to like be at some of the shows like i think when uh dmb came back um for 2021 after covid and you're like interviewing them like pre-concert like can you just kind of talk about that experience? Yeah, the Friday Night Concert Series is dope. I'm a huge fan of it, and it's uh, it provides an amazing, you know, lens on Dave Matthews Band in the moment in time, in this moment in time, whatever it may be. And you know, I, I'm so so honored that Dave's team and the team at Sirius XM entrusted us to execute on such a grand scale because. Broadcasting concerts, um, it's not the you know easiest thing in the world. There are a ton of logistics that go into it, and it's one of the greatest things. I love it the most. 
it's so special, and everyone has really stepped up to the the plate on all sides. When we were talking about Dave's channel, and you know, the conversation sort of evolved into a more full time um, opportunity. This seemed like the most logical place to invest our resources, time, and effort into, um, you know, providing something special for fans and listeners. And, and it's turned out to be really, really, really fun. Dave's mix engineer is, is great at what he does. We've all, you know, really tried to be nimble. And when we can provide a pre-show and interview band members and be there, um, on the ground and, and cover it, um, from a, you know, content perspective before the band gets on stage. It's it's always really, really fun. And even when, you know, that's not possible, being able to deliver these shows to anyone wherever they are, it's, it's one of my, you know, most proud things um, that we've executed, that we continue to execute, and that we continue to deliver um, every single summer. They're awesome. Quick follow-up. Are, are those those are obviously just mixed in in real time directly coming off off the stage, um, correct? Yes, they were they are mixed yeah. for broadcast. They are mixed um yes, live it's called a live mix. Uh Rob Evans, who um handled mm-hmm. Dave's last record and and Dave's go-to engineer is the guy that we use and we've tapped um to mix all the Friday night concert series shows. And if you're gonna go ahead and you know, get into sound quality. I'm gonna be right there with you, and we can a b any live recording you want to because the quality of audio that we're delivering every single weekend, every single Friday, to me is knocking. I mean, it is just it's really strong, and you know, it's a true testament to both organizations and everybody's individual and collective efforts um, of which there are many yeah. people and, and many efforts. There were, I think initially there were uh, grumblings about it like early on people, Oh, this, that, and the other, but they have gotten so much more dialed in. So kudos to you guys and to Rob. Um, it seemed like, you know, that's a tough thing to do as well. Live mixing. I would, I would um, love to, I would love to see anybody try to mix Dave's band. Um, it exactly. Would be hilarious and amazing. And you know, there's a <laughs> lot going on, right? It's, it's all a, a balance. The thing about mixing DMB is that it's a complete, completely unique sonic palette, right? You want the guitar to be driving. You want the vocals to sit on top. You want to hear Carter thundering through, but you want to round out Fonz. And then you've got the horns punching in and and you've got those guys singing backups and there's delicate parts and there's loud parts and the dynamic range is is you know really unlike anything else out there. So you you know, it's one of those things that yes, we've certainly worked very very diligently to try to always improve from launch, but I go back and listen to those 2018 and 2019 recordings and those mixes and compared to what else is going on, period, they're still great. As far as yeah, I'm gotta be tough to do seven guys on stage at once at the least. Then you've got guests and all those other people that that jump in there. So that's wild. Um but piggybacking off of that, then you go to having one person, the live from home series that Dave did some during COVID and all that in a little bit thereafter how did that idea come to be do you know who you know, birthed that idea so to speak and they're they've just been so extremely popular they were just 
they were awesome. So, um, yeah. you know, obviously congrats to everybody on that and thanks to Dave and everybody on the team, but how, what, give us a little background on those too. Sure. I mean, the pandemic was weird, right? I mean, especially yeah. for, uh, for everyone, it was super weird and it provided, you know, a ton of challenges and completely reshaped our existence as a humanity and listening habits and patterns of, of travel and all, you know, the lack of connectivity and all of these things that are just, you couldn't imagine a scenario like that happening. And for us, you know, the, the thing that we really strove to do in that moment as programmers is provide a deeper connection to the artists that our, our subscribers and, and fans love. And so Live From Home really was um, not some sort of genius brainstroke of, of, you know, one or two people. It was kind of all of us being like, hey, how about we do this? And how about we make it a series? And how about we get videos? And, you know, the idea of playing um, nurses' favorite songs and, and, and people who were, were really, really on the front lines of dealing with this situation on a really important high level were, were the most motivating factors on both sides, but also, you know, creating something that people could look forward to and was fresh and new and really authentic to what Dave does um, as an artist was also something that was not that hard to dial up or consider. And I, I'm laughing because it, it was, I mean, what else are we going to do? It's not like he's going to play a show, first of all. I mean, yeah, he could, do the, he could do the thing from his studio without the fans. But I will say that, in general, bringing artists closer to fans and subscribers is at the very, very, very top of our priority list. And so this was just an extension of that in a really trying moment. They were so good. I mean, they I were. still remember tuning in live to to see what Dave was going to play. And I think you guys do a great job too with like fan engagement, like send in your videos and audio to request uh, certain songs and then playing them on the radio is like amazing. And to piggyback off that, uh, thank you so much for giving us the soundbite of the guy saying, whoa, <laughs> these boys have something to say. Because that is the... <laughs> That is the best. It's well, become the podcast tagline some too. I let feel like me people, tell you something. People message that to us. <laughs> These boys got something to say. Yeah. All right. Listen, it's I, I will uh just preface this conversation by letting you know that Dave fans are some of the best fans on the air across the SiriusXM platform. And it is my goal to further showcase how good DMB fans are on air as much as I possibly can with guest DJ shows and features and specials. We did an essential 41 uh, special Memorial day weekend a couple years ago, and it was celebs and you know, your Sanjay Gupta's of the world and, and Jake Tapper, yes. whoever yes. else, I'm sorry, whoever Brooklyn Decker on and on. Um, but the fans are awesome on the mic. You guys are killing it. And forget the boys having something to say. It's the Dave fans that have something to say. And oh, we, we love capturing the excitement, the energy, and the, the way that Dave fans can describe and hype and, and, you know, paint the picture 
for listeners. And real quick shout out to Brian Cullen. My guy Cullen at SiriusXM is one of the, our producers who does amazing work on the fan capture side. And if you've ever been to a show and you've seen me out there um, interviewing fans, it's usually with him. And he's the, the, the you know burly, short, real strong guy dressed in all black, looks like an Irish punk because he is, and he's a sweetheart. He's the nicest, sweetest guy that you'll ever meet. So don't you know, let his appearance fool you. Those are so good. Um, okay, so obviously doing a DMB podcast, one of our goals is to interview members of the band, specifically Dave. Um, do you have any tips for how to interview, interview Dave? Because he is to me seems like a tough guy to pin down and stay like focused on the task at hand. So, you know, what is it? What's the secret to interviewing Dave Matthews? Man, when you find out, you better tell me the <laughs> secret to interviewing Dave. I mean, he, he certainly is a hilarious, irreverent, insightful interview and um, it makes for a very interesting experience. And it's all about the moment. I, I, all I can tell you is, you know, being in the moment is the way forward with anyone and especially with him. I wish I had a roadmap for you. I'm still trying to figure it out. But, like, have fun, <laughs> you know, be yourself and, and try to think about where everybody's at in that moment. Not just you, but him and your audience and... You guys are going to be great. I mean, Dave's the man. He's hilarious. He, he's very disarming, and it's um, a fun experience interviewing him for the first time, especially because he's such a sweetheart, and he's a little self-deprecating, and he, he makes it easier for you than you might imagine. I love that. Right. that that's kind of a, that's a great analysis um, of just of Dave in general, but of y'all's interview experiences. Um, and just on top of that, you said he's hilarious. Do you have any good Dave stories from your interviews? Cause you've got a bunch of different ones that cover a lot of different ground. What kind of stands out to you as maybe if you had your top one, if anyone ever says like, all right, what's your favorite Dave memory when you interviewed him go? Well, I guess I would say if I had to pick one, it would be back in 2019 when I asked him if he was aware of how many children had been conceived with his music playing in the background or in the foreground. The way to disarm him. <laughs> but legit, I mean, I, I can name at least, I can name too many. It's, it's going to waste everybody's time. And we all know what that sort of, uh, what that music uh, has always meant. I mean, dude, with this, this stuff came out in college for me at least. And, Anyway, he, he rolled with it. It was a great answer, and it was a really fun moment. You can find it on YouTube. It's up there. It's from 2019. I remember that. Love it. That was, that was a good one. Um, okay, how did DMB MSG versus Fish at MSG this year compare to you? And keep in mind, for the listeners, got Spoon and You Never Know to Open, Corey Wong, Trombone Shorty, Sure. Last stop. And then fish game hinge. Yeah. I mean, all those things, just like you said, uh, I, you know, apples and oranges compare and contrast. 
you can't ask me to pick one or the other because that, that would be irresponsible, okay? That, that, there's, <laughs> that would not be a good idea. And I wouldn't because they're totally different, right? The, yeah. um, the experiences are, are each unique, and it's always great to see both. I was personally very, very, very amped for Corey Wong, who I've known for a long time, and to watch his his meteoric rise. That's a meteoric rise right there um, mm -hmm. through the industry, dating back to whenever the, the first session that he did with Volpec in the SiriusXM studios. I don't know if it was 2014 or 2016. I, I can't remember, but um, I was just really, really thrilled for Corey. And honestly, for fans who are about to go down a musical discovery path of one of the funkiest dudes in the game and one of the most fun dudes in the game who hadn't heard of him. Mm -hmm. So there was that. And, and Gamehenge um, on New Year's Eve was completely, um, yeah, you know, it was all the things that you've already heard about. I mean, it, it was a moment. It was like a moment. You know what I mean? For Fish fans, I love the rhombus. Seeing the rhombus rise was the coolest thing ever. They did some really incredible things on the production side, and as they always do. Um, and, yeah, super special experience. Yeah, well, most DMB fans probably listening right now don't know what Game Hinge means, so we, we'll yeah. spare them all of well, the that's details. On but that's yeah, on you, man. Amen, brother, preach. Um, but they may be a little <laughs> bit more, um, a little bit more familiar with uh, another band that we've become huge fans of, and that's Goose. And you saw kind of a Goose. offshoot of them, um, Orebolo in Mexico. Um, number one, are you a Goose fan? Um, and two, how was that Orebolo experience? And then a little Bob Weir sitting as well. Yeah, great Goose. I've always been a Goose fan. I mean, I, I certainly um, have enjoyed their music for quite some time and been very, very proud and, and excited about their growth, about their songwriting, about their style, and about, you know, just their, their ability to really corral and gather a, a fan base of like-minded people, 100%. And Revelo is awesome. Um, they're phenomenal. Uh, you know, it's a, mm. it's three of the dudes. Um, the guy who plays percussion in Goose, Jeff, actually plays upright bass beautifully, along with Rick and Peter. Uh, and and the sit-ins at Dead Ahead were aces. I mean, it really was very, very, very cool. Yeah, yeah we're about as big a fans of them as Dave and Tim. That whole kind of acoustic situation. So yeah, and yeah, glad you got to see it. But we're jealous. Well, you'll you know they're they're gonna keep playing. You're gonna be able to see them. We'll figure We're it young. out. Those guys are young, man. I know. They are. Let's look oh, ahead. I love we don't need to look back. I mean, you, you got a lot, a lot of exciting music to catch in your future. That's how I feel. Yeah. Goose just came out with summer tour dates and new TED tapes. So we've been locked in on that this there week. You go. There you go. Very exciting. Um, and then before we get to our rapid fire segment, what do you have a favorite part of working in the in the music business? A favorite part of working in the music business has to be providing of, uh, let me just think about how to say this. My favorite thing about working in the music business has to be providing a level of support to really great people that I, you know, wouldn't, I couldn't be more happier to see succeed and to contribute to their artistic journeys in meaningful ways is easily the best part of it. Also, beyond that, actually, 
you know what that is really really great but it's it's my second favorite thing about to you know in the music industry i would have to say the absolute best part of what i do is making stuff that people like mm. by far by far that's like the thing i mean it it's so so rewarding to be able to meet fans that enjoy the content that we make and it, it really is that simple that's awesome yeah well at least you're good Love at that it. <laughs> Thank God. I hope You've so. Maybe really I'll get good, good at it eventually. No, it, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a journey, right? And there's always, um, you know, people iterating and, and being creative and, and collaborating. Those are all really, really fun. But providing, you know, meaningful entertainment in an audience's life, you know, one person, however many people, it's indescribable. It really is the greatest. Love that. Well, we yeah, appreciate it. it. Um, all right, we'll hit you with some rapid fire here before we before we get you out of here. And we know you've got um, bigger and better things to do. No, but, all right, I, I better so, that, listen. That's not true. But go ahead. I wish I could stay on all day, <laughs> but I'm going to start getting yelled right. at if I do. <laughs> the, the first one will be a two parter, real quick. Favorite DMB song and favorite DMB album. Oh man, uh, asking me to pick favorites. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, you're in the hot seat, my friend. So I would say on the sweet and sensitive side, I would go with Mercy and Sweet. Um, on the mm -hmm. you know, on, on that ballady side of the fence, I would also put Dreaming Tree in there with Spoon, as you had mentioned earlier, and the Stone for sure. Um, and let me see if I'm missing any. I love So Damn Lucky also. Mm. And Break For It and Break Free. All right, so we've got Break his top 10. How about album? Album. Uh, I don't know. Uh, let me think about it. Today, at this moment in time, my favorite Dave album, Crowded Streets. I would say before these Crowded Streets. You can pick any of the first three. Ask me a different day. I'll tell you a different one. Bingo. Uh, favorite DMB live release. Favorite DMB live release. And this is not just because, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing, but um, it would, I, honestly, I, I personally enjoy the, the Friday night concert series stuff because I'm, I'm attached to it. And, and, you know, I, I've got my, my heartstrings um, on the line there and, and invested in it. And there are so many. I mean, Jazz Fest 2019 with Warren Haynes. Um, mm. So many great shows. Forest Hills this past summer um, Ooh, yeah. was, a, was phenomenal. And there are many, many, many more. Archivally, 43096 or 12... 3196 the Hampton it's probably it's probably that Hampton New Year's Eve show mm. mothership yeah love that yeah going old school great one all right what's the best concert experience you've ever had best show you've seen from any band doesn't have to be DMB hmm. best concert experience be. I've ever had there are many and I'm gonna forget some That's Herbie okay. Hancock just get, just... I would say Herbie Hancock at Jazz Fest Chance the Rapper at Halloween before he broke out. Um, the first Bonnaroo, for sure. Oh, wow. The It Festival, when it comes to fish and Boom. Magnaball. 
um, were both amazing. My first fish show was August 8th, 1998 at Meriwether Post Pavilion. That was eye-opening. And then the next night in Virginia Beach when they encored with Terrapin Station, I wasn't planning on go to th- going to that show and had so much fun that I ended up driving down and was so glad that I did. Um, and beyond that, there are so many more that I honestly feel silly not listing other artists and other shows but you know um I'll ask me again in a few months and I'll have a, a a whole different slate for you just seeing Janelle Monet um not on this tour but like on the whole alien galaxy oriented tour she did this uh one of her projects a few years ago handful of years ago was like very interstellar and it was it was just a wild presentation I loved it and there, there are so many more. We were literally just talking about fish covering Terrapin before we got on the interview. Whoa, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Yeah, crazy. Uh, okay, going to fish now. You have a favorite fish song or album? My favorite fish song or album? Uh, my favorite fish song? I don't. Uh, I do. I would say um, Contact, David Bowie, McGrupp. Ooh, those are very, yeah, those are pretty, that's unique. I like that. Um, okay. And then um, we'll get to an, a good one for DJ AF. Who's the best DJ out there? Oh, man, there there are way too many, but I love Porter Robinson yes. a whole lot. Um, there, there are so many electronic artists that are making amazing music i love zed's dead i i you know i i enjoy artists that can do a little bit of that that bass music wobble along with some melodic stuff and are, are providing diverse sort of palettes across electronic subgenres. there are so 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 many i also like you know the more chill slower easy breezy um acts like frank moody and parcels and poolside um in that lane as well really really great to listen to one of my favorite emerging electronic artists is named maddie o'neill she's from denver she's gonna have a huge year this year she she's really making incredible music and sort of straddles the the bass music you know psychedelic um side of the electronic fence and is super talented there are a million more love it we'll have to check them out all right last one who is your bucket list interview? My bucket list interview, Charles Barkley, without a doubt. Oh, man. Oh, I love that answer. What an answer. Oh, yeah. No, that one's good. All right. Well, I mean. Somebody set that up for me, by the way. If you know Sir Charles, please holler at me at Ari Daniel Fink on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Finkerton, specifically for the round mound of rebound. And my son has questions for him, too. He's nine years old, and he's really, really getting into basketball and broadcasting. And so this is like, Ooh. let's make this happen, universe. All Chuck right, is a national treasure. And also yeah. my son's not getting into broadcasting. I'm trying to get him into broadcasting through Charles Barkley, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Chuck, you know where to find him. Um, all right. All right. Before we get you out of here, 
What do you have coming up and anything new and exciting coming up 2024? What's on the horizon, whether it be on any of these specific channels or just for you uh, professionally? So much, so much. You can stay tapped in on on Instagram, like I said, um, and I will be you know, letting everybody know what we're doing and where we're doing it. Obviously, with Fish playing the sphere, there's a lot of exciting things to look forward to this spring. Dave tour this summer and on and on. So, yeah, yeah, just follow me on Instagram at Ari Daniel Fink and don't be shy. Hit me up and say hello and send me some music or some recipes or whatever. <laughs> recipes. I'm a saucier in my separate, you know, in, in my free time. I, I do enjoy making sauces and cooking very, very often. So, you know, just put All that right, in well, your ne pocket. Next Sirius XM wow. um, Ari Fink pre DMB show thing is going to be. Um, Chef Fink, and we're going to see what you can come up with uh, while everyone stands in line and waits for your concoction. Ari, thanks so much, man. We appreciate you hopping on, uh, obviously, with us today. But most importantly, everyone appreciates everything you've done uh, for all of these music communities and all across SiriusXM. Keep rocking on, dude. It's been awesome. Um, yeah, appreciate it. And, you know, this was, this was a ton of fun. Uh, Nolan, take us out of here, dude. Yeah, well, Ari, have fun in Mexico and uh, go Terps. Great, That's what you're looking trip. for. Go Terps. Go Terps. Go Terps. Oh. Let's go. You just might. What rivalry? No, you, you rivalry. guys are awesome. I really appreciate what you guys are doing and keep at it. And we'll be talking again soon for sure. Thanks, Ari. And hopefully we'll see you on the road this summer and we'll see the rest of you later on the corner of Gray Street. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.